Hi guys, welcome to the first episode of the Conversational Podcast. My name's Kira. And I'm Eve. Before we start, I'll just disclose that me and Eve have recorded this from separate locations because of um, lockdown. So I've recorded from my house and Eve's recorded from hers. And due to that, there may be some parts of it that um, have poorer sound quality. There may be times where the sound overlaps so that we talk over one another. It is a technical issue that we are looking uh, to fix, but this is the first time I've ever done anything like this. So this was the best that we could do under the circumstances currently. But we are working on it and we're hoping to fix it soon. You might be able to tell we're both quite nervous about this. We've not really done anything like this before. Um, but we're going to give it a bash. So We are uh, journalism creative writing students and during lockdown we decided it would be quite a good idea to get some experience for uni, meanwhile filling the hours and hours and hours of the day. Yeah, we're students, we're at Strathclyde uni. Um, I'm 20, Kira's 19. If you can't tell from the accents, we are from Ayrshire, we're from the lovely little town of Kilmarnock. And I say that very sarcastically. <laughs> yeah, no, we're trying to talk slower because we did a practice run of this last week and it was just talked so fast. So we're just going to try and calm ourselves in a wee bit. We also work, well, Kira's in furlough currently. I don't think I'll be the only one excited when I stop being furloughed considering I work in McDonald's. <laughs> so I think I'm not the only one that's sad that I'm out of a job well, right now. I do feel bad for people that aren't working because I feel like it fills the day. So I'm quite lucky. I got a job at Morrison's just before the lockdown started, so I'm able to get out of the house and keep busy, whereas a lot of people have lost their jobs and been furloughed. So, yeah, I feel quite lucky. Um, I'm also, this doesn't count as a job, but I'm part of an anti-sectarianism and anti-discrimination group. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about that in one of our podcasts. I'm pretty sure we're planning to discuss sectarianism. So we'll be able to hear a bit more about the things I do and... Tell them why this idea came about. <laughs> Message Kira saying, How good would we be as a podcast duo? Like, me and Kira, when we're chatting, we just bounce off each other. Um, we're very opinionated, and I don't mean that in a bad way. A lot of people use that in a bad way, I think, and I don't think it is. Um, we like to get our points across, we like to chat about these kind of things. Like, we, we went on a night out, we went to a pub quiz, and ended up talking about sectarianism, um, of course, because. Uh, something that we're both quite close with uh, in different ways though uh, but yeah it was going on that and then Kira said we should actually I only meant it as a joke and then Kira's like you should actually and then by two hours later we had all these ideas written down and we we're planning to call and discuss how we'd go about it um, and two days later we had oh, yeah. an amazing logo courtesy of one Morgan of Brown, friends shout out to her um, it's amazing that she did it. She spent like a whole day working on it and got it done so quickly. Um, yeah. We're so impressed. We weren't expecting this podcast to be professional. We were doing it for a bit of experience, uh, stuff to fill the time. And as soon as I seen that logo, I was like, oh my God, like just looking at the logo gave me more confidence to be able to do this because it was so good. So yeah, a special, special thanks we'll to Morgan for Instagram, doing that for us. Um, and the podcast description but also on instagram we'll tag her in that yeah so we'll tag her in our instagram uh, which is the conversational podcast so something that's quite interesting about me and eve and something that not a lot of people mm. i don't think can say this 
is that me and Eve have been friends since primary been. one. So we have been in every single class together. So our primary one class, there was it was a primary one two class, and there was only six primary ones in it, and me and Eve were two of them. Then we'd been in every single primary together all the way through primary one to seven. Uh, we were in each other's classes and uh, first year we were in like so we obviously get split into different groups at secondary school we were still in each other's classes um, all the way through secondary and now we go to university together yeah. and she lives in the from me so. um, and we had actually planned we both me and Eve had planned to go away for the summer volunteering um, yeah so I was travelling for nine and a half weeks around Asia to Sri Lanka Thailand and Fiji um, doing all different things and when I was in Sri Lanka I was meant to be working at a sea turtle conservation and a big huge thing that you should know about Eve <laughs> is she loves animals um, so she told me that she wanted to go away for the summer like go away during the summer as well and I said well why don't you come to Sri Lanka with me and she was like do you know what I will just do that and she signed up to come and obviously there was different plans in place so it was Our like a month after a bit or something. Well, and we it? thought, oh God, I know, I know. And I, I feel <laughs> awful because I convinced you to come and then it just blew up in our faces. So we decided we'd embark on something else, such as starting a podcast. Well, we already listened to podcasts, so what was the first podcast you ever listened to, Kira? The only really podcast that I listened to is the Generation Y podcast, <laughs> which is, yeah. you, you did on the bus to uni. Um, and... We there's now like a, a thing with some of my friends where we'll have a, a night in that well this used to be a thing. Um when we used to be allowed to go to each other's houses and I would tell um like horror really? stories. So I would I would tell them the the stories of the um the podcast that I had listened to and they mm. they loved it. Did you ever but, yeah, serial? Um Oh, you need to. That's no. the first one I ever listened to, and that got me into podcasts. Um, so that's about the guy that's on trial for murder, and um, you know, people think he's innocent because he was put on trial for like there's no ev- there was no evidence in it. It was just a story a classmate told, basically. But yeah, you need to listen right. to that. Um, I'll listen to the Joe Exotic podcast. I've not watched the TV show yet. Mm. For people who do like listen to podcasts, um, but we like the true crime ones. So Generation Y, Joe Exotic, Serial. Um, are good ones. Oh, and the mysterious Mr. Epstein. It's all about Jeffrey Epstein, which is really interesting. Um, yeah. There's the yikes. Sounds quite interesting. Like being eco friendly. I listened to the confronting O.J. Simpson podcast. So that was about um, well, O.J. Simpson was on trial for murdering Nicole Simpson and Ron Goldman, and it's told from the point. It's told from um, Ron Goldman's sister, and just talking about you know getting. Not overcoming grief, but you know, going through grief, and especially when you know the murderer hasn't been found. We're going to be a tad more mm-hmm. light-hearted than that because with everything going on, I doubt you need to listen to any more. So we decided yep. to do the podcast on topics that affect us. So on our list, we've got things like sectarianism and um, sexuality and things like that coming up that we're considering doing podcasts about um, but it's mainly to explore our opinions um, because having opinions is it's a really important thing to people 
So we just want to include a little disclaimer. Um, we'll probably do this at the beginning of every podcast, considering the fact that um, the podcast is going to be full of me and Eve's opinions. Um, we'll discuss a wide range of topics throughout the podcast and they're mostly going to be related to our opinions regarding these. Um, our opinions are educated conclusions drawn from our own experiences and the research that we do or that we have done in the past. Although this is how we feel, it does not mean that this is the correct or only way to feel. We want to explicitly say that um, because it is so important that you do your own research before drawing any conclusions on any topic and um, that's what we are encouraging you to do. Uh, we will include links for the research that we have conducted for each podcast for those that want to have a look at them themselves. We also believe it is very important to listen to a variety of opinions um, from which you can form your own. If you have a different opinion from ours, feel free to tell us. Um, we'd love to hear them, we'd love to discuss them and we'd love to educate ourselves further on other people's opinions. However, we will not condone any disrespect towards our opinions. Our opinions are ours. We are not going to be disrespectful to you to having different opinions. So we hope that you can uh, replicate that and not or disrespect anyone us. So, um, another anyone else. disclaimer, that is um, true. we are likely to swear. Not constantly, but if we do, we'll bleep it out. But I just think that that's worth mentioning. Yeah, so like as we've said, me and Eve grew up, we have grown up together. Um, but although our lives have been very similar in certain ways, they have been very different in others. Um, so we can relate on a lot of subjects, but sometimes our opinions on those subjects are very, very different. And there's, as we've said, there is no animosity between me and Eve, um, even though we have these different opinions and we think it's important to try and show people that you can have these opposing opinions and still manage to have a friendship, to be able to talk, to be able to have a conversation and be able to have a relationship. And it's also important that you can listen to other people's opinions and that can help shape your own opinions. Um, so I think it's really important that you're allowed to change your opinions on things like, um, for example, things that you think in primary school you won't necessarily think now. Um, probably a more lighthearted example would be the fact that I never ever thought I would wear flares. I didn't think they were a good look, and now <laughs> you don't <laughs> understand my love for flares. Flares in wide leg trousers yeah. are um, all I've been wearing. Right, and I, yeah, a lot of, I think a lot of people struggle to even entertain the idea of changing their opinions, even if they do research on it. Um, See, because this is one of my issues. Where yeah. my issue comes from about not knowing things is that I am a girl who loves football. And I have a season ticket, I go to the football with my mum. And growing up, I couldn't tell you how many times I got told by boys that I didn't know what I was talking about. And from that, I think this is where this need for like knowledge has come from. I have needed to prove myself mm -hmm. so many times that now I feel like I need to know. I think it's that a shame. Sense? I, don't, I don't think we should have to feel that way, but then again... It's quite good that we're like that because we go and educate ourselves. Um, something I, I don't know if you, I've ever said this to you, Kira, um, but I'm I'm completely okay with saying to people I don't know enough about that to have an opinion on it. Um, so remember when the Michael Jackson documentary came out? I'd I'd heard nothing about it, which I don't yes. know why because apparently it was common knowledge before the documentary as well. Um, but people would say to me, "Oh, what do you think?" And I'm like, "I've not watched it. I'm not educating myself on it, so I can't say anything right now." Um, and I'm completely mm -hmm. comfortable in saying that, but I think a lot of people struggle with that. 
I'm a person that really struggles to admit. But I think it's harder as a girl to admit you don't um, know something because so many times you'll be talking about something and a man will start telling you about it. It's things you already know. Yeah, I know it's a dodgy topic for some people, but it happens. Like, um, but um, I used to work in a chippy, and a customer came in and was telling me about what I said to him. Oh, what have you been up to today? And he said, "I've been out bailing." And I was like, oh, that's hard work, that. He's like, do you even know what it is? And I'm like, my uncle has a farm. Like, and he goes, well, what farm is it then? And it was in that moment, I completely forgot the name of the farm. Oh, my God. But I didn't even have to prove it to him. And then he goes, so what is it then? So then I explained it to Mm -hmm. him. And he went, well, yeah, it's that. Yeah, I get what you mean. It's just so annoying. Like, an example for me was, like, I'll go back to the football example because that is... I think for a lot of girls who like football, it is a quite a big thing that they're constantly asked. And obviously, the main rule that everyone asks you to explain is the offside rule. And believe it or not, my sister explained the offside rule to me using makeup. All the lipsticks were one team, and all the, um, I don't know, like foundations were the other team, and that's how she explained it to me. And it worked, because I know what it is, and I managed to explain it to people. And by the, by, I think, fourth year, I was at a house party and uh, a boy turned around to me and I can remember it in my head clear as day because I see if I could have taken a photo of his face and put it on my wall, I would have. Because he was like, all right, what's the offside rule then? And I just looked at him and I went, do you want the first or second phase? And his face was honestly a picture. In terms of the opinions part of it, um, I did some research on changing our opinions and I found some interesting stuff Um in a BBC Future article, there was research that found that we are more likely to notice, look out for, and remember anything that confirms our own opinions. So if you like wine and you find an article that says wine's really good for you, you're more likely to remember that than the ones that say wine's really bad for you. Kirsten Lauren of the University of British Columbia examined people's attitudes before a plastic water bottle ban in San Diego. Mm-hmm. I've seen um, that. And I've seen that. A, only a day later, people were less opposed to it than they were before. It was the bit in that article that I thought, because I, I, we shared our research, and mm-hmm. uh, well, really, Eve shared her research with me, and it said that we rationalised things we feel stuck. <laughs> Honestly, because I read it and I was like, hmm. And then, so I lo- started looking at some of the examples, and another example was mm-hmm. um, the appointment of Donald Trump. Right, so after he was appointed, people felt less opposed to him and then although he is a president with the least approval rate right after he was made president um more people supported him and people were saying this could be due, due to his speech this could be due to one thing or the other but at the end of the day it could also be because people felt well he's in power now yeah. what can we so do to we will include that article written by claudia hammond at the end as well I also found some more interesting research to do with opinions. Social psychologist Ian Handley and Dolores Albar published a study in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology. It was about our unwillingness to change our attitudes. So they mm-hmm. found that people who feel good about themselves and have a high self-esteem have much more open minds and are much more receptive to change and they're not afraid of changing their opinion and being clear about why. <laughs> I've got a low self-esteem but I'm like I've said before I'm quite open to change my mind but maybe I've got a subconsciously high self-esteem 
like well that's how I feel like I'm a person like not that I don't change my opinions on things I am very stubborn like I'm probably not the best person to be on a podcast about getting people to change their opinions because personally I'm very bad at changing but my opinion human. like but that's part of why we're doing it, it though, true. know it's important and so yeah but um it's really weird that like something is like such as self-esteem would come into the fact come into play when like mm. it's a matter of your opinion like on things so what do. are you doing to keep busy for this oh. um well i have two oh. guitars that i haven't played since school at least so for a good three years or something mm. i've not touched them so i started playing them um, I've been reading a lot, which obviously is important. I've been creative writing students, and I've like the past while I've just not made time for that. So I've been rereading basically all my favourite books, um, the Delirium series, um, and the Mortal Instruments series, and I've read some books about a uh, searching for happiness and things like that, which is though they sound cringy, they're actually they're actually quite good. Um, and they're totally not my cup of tea, totally not the things that I would read, but I found them quite... Uh, yeah, helpful. I've been reading a lot as well, but I keep telling people that I'm planning on watching all the films I've never watched. So, like, I've never seen Pulp Fiction. Um, I've never seen yeah. American Psycho. You know, like, the classics that everyone's like, oh, they're great films. Um, so I was like, I'm going to take this time to watch them all. I've got a list. So far, I've watched half American Psycho. I'm just like, I can't... Sometimes I just can't sit down and watch I'm watching... Um, so I got Disney Plus, which is one of the best things to come out of lockdown. Um, and I am watching all of the Marvel really? films. In order? Yeah. Yeah. And well, in chronological yeah, that's order. Yeah, that's all right. So, um, yeah, during lockdown, I've actually been watching a lot more of the news, um, which probably isn't a good idea considering it's quite negative right now. Um, but today there was quite a big announcement from Nicola Sturgeon. And today, which is the 7th of May, is when we're recording this. Um, she said that the lockdown in Scotland wasn't going to be lifted um, when it's well, it was supposed to be lifted today. Um, but she's basically said that that's not happening. And although Boris Johnson making an announcement on Sunday as to what's happening so, to the UK, Nicola Sturgeon is saying it's not happening in Scotland. Some we've seen some tweets that are <laughs> saying they're going to go out anyway because it's what Boris Johnson said and he's Prime Minister. But me and Kira, we discussed this a couple of days ago. Even if Boris said he was lifting it on Sunday, we wouldn't be going out because we know it's not time. Um, like I, I saw a tweet as yeah. well saying um, I won't be going out until medical professionals are telling us we're allowed to go out, which I think is a great idea. But obviously things like social media right now have allowed people to make opinions, to publicise opinions on things that we normally wouldn't. So there's been tweets about, as you had said, about um, people who didn't care what Nicola Sturgeon said today. Um, but they were looking at what Boris Johnson was going to say on Sunday. And if Boris Johnson said that you could have small family gatherings in a house, like, so that had been one of the rumoured things, was that you could have very small family gatherings in a house with social distancing still in place. And someone said, if Boris Johnson says that that's allowed, then I will be going to see my family. Because they, purely because they didn't accept the Scottish Parliament as anything other than like a referral government. So they, they were basically just a little committee 
but they weren't anything to be taken serious. So that would bring into question the full authority of the Scottish government. It's the people that don't accept in fact, the they Scottish do have government a lot of power over the country. A government. Um, so, like, there's different rules right now to do this coronavirus. So, in England, you're allowed to. Someone told me this. I might need to check this and back this up. That you're allowed to drive somewhere for a walk as long as the car journey takes at least half the amount of time as your actual walk. In Scotland, we're not allowed to go a drive and then a walk, so we can't drive to a park. We need to go a walk from our house. Yeah, so there are different rules in place in all different um, places. So I think this is a time where politics and medicine are kind of combining and people are trying to politicise medical opinions and that can't really be done because you can't do that. You can't change science because of your mm-hmm. political opinion. I will, I don't think so anyway. Um, but, like, so my mum is a nurse. My mum, um, she, she works in improvement within the NHS, but due to coronavirus, she has been taken back and is now working in the wards and she's working in ICU so she is working directly with people that are, are suffering from coronavirus she's, she's dealing with people who are dying from coronavirus, she's got full PPE, like so she's right in the middle of it, my mum's a 56 year old woman with high blood pressure and she is, like, not that I'm saying that that's a, that's a condition that would affect you if you've got coronavirus but she's already got a health risk and she's coming towards the end of her career she's worked for the NHS for 40 years and she's putting herself right in the middle of it and I've never been prouder of her I'm so so proud of everything that she's doing but she comes in from every second shift in tears because of what she's dealing with she's never seen anything like this and it angers me personally when I see people moaning about McDonald's my work not being open I have a sister who lives 10 minutes away who lives with her boyfriend who's in the police so he is away working and we haven't seen her properly for seven weeks it annoys me because I see the effect it's having on my mum and then people are moaning about little things about not being able to go to the pub and I'm like there's family, like I personally I had to attend a funeral of a very close family friend over Facebook the first point of easing these restrictions should be families being allowed to grieve together I'm sorry if people don't agree with that but that's my opinion because how can how can you like losing someone is one of the most difficult things you can ever go through but putting into the mix the fact you can't cuddle your own daughter we had to tell my sister that a family member in Ireland had passed away from across her garden we couldn't hug her, we couldn't hand her a tissue we couldn't do anything and that is that's the like the moral of the story the, is you need to get your priorities in check. Is, um, and, I do agree, but also to an extent, here comes and what we're saying, um, because I do think it's also important to be upset about little things, um, but also taking in mind that there's bigger things at play. Um, so obviously, it's really hard not seeing your friends. Yeah. Um, but and take your time to be upset about it, but don't go out and see them. So still follow the rules, but yeah, because I, I I do I do think it's like you're allowed to be upset about the fact you can't see your friends. I get upset about the fact you can't see my friends. Like, like everybody is allowed to be upset about what they are losing, but you can't forget the level the of loss. Everybody's the highest in the world, Kira. 
it's, it's, I think we, it's embarrassing, I think. We think, we both think that we reacted yeah. late as a nation. Um, we were given three weeks warning and we were told to wash our hands to happy birthday. I know that yeah. as, as the words that's been this used constantly, enough. it's unprecedented situation. It's an unprecedented situation, we did. But we saw the effect it had on Italy and we didn't do anything. One of the best jobs a journalist can do is hold politicians to account. If you're a political journalist, the best job that you can do is hold politicians to account. And uh, I watched, it was actually my dad made me watch it um, because he thought he thought it was quite funny. Um, it was when Donald Trump got um, everybody into the White House to watch a PowerPoint that he had made about his what he had done. Um, and my, my dad had put it on and I was watching it. And obviously we are journalism students and I was watching it and I was like, that's amazing what that one of the women managed to do. So he, he brought out in a timeline of the past few months and what he had done and what he had managed to do. And, and at the end of it, she put up her hands or whatever. And he was like, yeah. And she was like, um, what happened to the month of February? And he was like, what? And she was like, the entire month of February. It's disappeared in that timeline. And he was like, what do you mean? And she was like, so you're talking about how much time you bought America. But what did you do with that time? You done nothing in the month of February, not in that time when you didn't. Mm. And he was like, I don't understand what you're saying. And she was right. He might have bought them all of this time by managing to do that in the next time. But there was nothing done to stop that. They didn't make use of the time that they had. And that's exactly what I feel happened here as well. They're, they're now saying mass testing yeah. at the beginning of this would have been the answer. We were copying countries like Italy who had such a high death toll but we weren't looking at countries like Germany like New Zealand these countries who have all but eradicated this we were looking at the wrong countries and seeing what they were doing and thinking we'll copy that like New Zealand, but they yeah. didn't look at the countries that were doing well so back off what you were saying about the political journalism I don't see any newspapers holding government to account I see newspapers praising Boris for coming out of coronavirus alive yeah, the media in this country is shocking. So you've got the day that Boris Johnson got out of hospital or the day Boris Johnson got put into hospital, I can't remember which one, but the main feature on the front page was about Boris Johnson and then they had like a little star at the side saying 700 odd people dead in the last 24 hours and I'm like, really? That is where you're focusing right now is the fact that the Prime Minister, I'm sorry, the Prime Minister is one person. It is a shame what happened to him, it was a shame that he was in hospital. Mm-hmm. 700 odd people died. What so, one is the main news story? So in terms of holding the government to account, a Labour MP, Rosina Allen Khan, was speaking about how the government failed to test people and many families were being unnecessarily torn apart in grief. That's a quote. Matt Hancock told her to watch her tone, basically, when she was just trying to call out the government. Um, there was a huge hashtag on Twitter for that as everyday sexism. It just shows how hard it is to hold the government to account, especially as a woman. She asked him a question he couldn't answer, or that he couldn't answer to make himself look good, and so he thought that he could talk down to her. Whether that was because she was a woman, or whether that was because or she annoyed on parties. In general, we don't know. Yeah. And that was why he said that, but... I just think it was sexism, that's fine. People saw it as sexism, and there was a huge hashtag on Twitter um, regarding everyday sexism, and 
I don't know if that's why newspapers don't do it or if they just see themselves as a source of entertainment rather than education. That just shows how much of an issue it is to hold government to account in this day and age, I think. Although this might be controversial, um, the BBC are obviously like paid by the taxpayer, so they are obligated to provide an unbiased report of events, so they're not allowed to take any sides. They need to show... Like, they need to be the devil's advocate. And I think, personally, that recently the BBC have been trying to placate the nation rather than report accurately to them. I think they have been trying to get everybody to play nice together instead of pointing out that someone's wrong. And I think that they haven't been reporting that, that they've been just wanting everybody... They've been wanting to stop anything else like going wrong, like there have been arguments or there have been debates that they're just like, which, yeah, I get, like this isn't the time to be debating and this isn't the time to be causing arguments, but... And they need to be held I also think to the account, fact, whether sorry, it's now, which is better, or later, but at some point, they need to admit that they did not handle it the way they should have. And I know yeah. that it's a situation no one expected, but we saw how other countries reacted. We saw the ones that were... We also had warnings. It's been around since December. This isn't the first well. international virus. Like, but I'm just talking in terms of like years ago. So surely somewhere there should have been some um, collection, some storage facility. Like, I just think that when you've had things in the past, like Ebola, like SARS, um, what was the other virus? Swine flu. Um, SARS, SARS, swine flu. Like these things. So. We've always known it was a possibility that something that could happen, not to the extreme that it's happened, because I don't think anybody could have predicted this, but there should have been a level of PPE, a level of, like, there should have, there should have been some storage facility with things that were and somewhat prepared for a mild outbreak of a virus, probably not a mass outbreak like we've seen or anything like that. Like, no one's expecting the government to have been so so prepared for this but there should have been some sort of preparation for a possibility i was reading something about a virus and they right ebola had a a higher death rate so i think Ebola was a 40 percent death rate or something like that so they basically all just got shut down quickly i'm going to need to link an article about this i can't remember i read it a couple weeks ago but that's why they acted so quickly on Ebola. However, coronavirus is much more contagious. Spreads quicker, but it doesn't kill as many people. I think the reason that... So see, Ebola was relatively contained. Not, it wasn't completely, but it, it didn't spread half as quickly as this did. And I think that that's because it origin, where it originated. If you think of the, um, the international travel that goes in and out of South Africa especially in the areas that were taken, like, that were ransacked by Ebola. And then if you think of international travel from China, that's the reason why mm. this has taken the country, this is it's taken the world by storm. So we're sorry if what we're talking about today was a bit dry. I know we're all used to hearing about coronavirus right now. Um, but we wanted to use the first episode as a kind of introduction to who we are. Um, but we are going to be talking about certain topics. But from now on, each of our podcasts will be about a single topic. Anything that you would like to um, hear about, you can 
Uh, follow us on Instagram, which is at the Conversational Podcast, or you can follow us on we'll Twitter, like which well. is Conversational P. So just yeah, but we'll link them in, and you can just either tweet at us or message us on either platform. And we would love to hear your opinions on what we've spoke about today. We would love to hear your um, recommendations for anything that we can do differently, anything that you would like to hear from us. Um, because, as we said, that's the first time I've done anything like this. We'll hopefully have another one out within the next yeah. week or two.